This episode of Everything About Hydrogen is brought to you by Biotech. The future of hydrogen is here, and Biotech is leading the way by disrupting the established centralized hydrogen supply chain with a new highly efficient model of local production hubs. Biotech produces hydrogen close to demand and transports it via high-pressure, high-capacity storage trailers. Fewer truck trips translates to lower transportation costs, lower emissions, and safer roads. It's the first step in making hydrogen more affordable and accessible today. Visit Biotech.us to learn how Biotech makes hydrogen easy. From the Hydrogen Media offices in Washington, D.C., this is Everything About Hydrogen. I'm Andrew Leadham, General Counsel at Biotech, and joining me from a few blocks down the road here in Washington for the exciting Season 3 premiere of Everything About Hydrogen is Patrick Malloy, Manager in the Breakthrough Technologies Group at RMI, and Chris Jackson, CEO of Proteum, who as always is calling in from London. As our listeners know, the EAH team slacked off for the month of August this year and tried to get in some vacation time, but we are back and we are excited to kick things off with a bang for Season 3. We figured we'd get a very special guest on the show. So for today's episode, we are excited to have the governor of New Mexico, Michelle Luan Grisham, with us to discuss her administration's plans to make New Mexico the strategic center of the U.S. hydrogen economy. And she may even make an especially exciting announcement on that very topic here on this episode of EAH. On that note, hosting the governor comes with the added bonus that she is joined by New Mexico Environment Department Secretary James Kenney. Wonderful to have Secretary Kenney with us as well. Before we dive in, we'd just like to remind everyone that we love to hear from our listeners. And if you have any questions for us here at Everything About Hydrogen, please shoot us an email at info at h2podcast.com or give us a shout on Twitter at at about hydrogen. All right, let's get this episode started. All right, guys, season three of Everything About Hydrogen. I know we talked about it at the end of season two. Did we expect to be here? But this is an exciting, exciting first episode. Firstly, though, Patrick, how was your month off? Did you do anything interesting? It was amazing. I stayed in D.C. and enjoyed the beautiful humidity and summer. And yeah, it was great. Excellent. God, you live such a glamorous lifestyle, Patrick. <laughs> yeah, really, really just living, living the life out there, man. Yeah, like, 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 why would I leave? <laughs> Andrew, please tell me you managed to do better than that. <laughs> I did. I definitely did. Uh, I went out to Colorado and uh, Montana for a few days and, uh, you know, hiked around the Bob Marshall Wilderness in Montana. That was pretty cool. But I don't know if I can beat Patrick's uh, staycation here in D.C., so... I don't know, man. That's a that's a tough order. Montana sounds pretty awesome, though. I'm not going to lie. It is. It is a it is a wonderful place. It is a great place. How about yourself? Uh, well, very unusually, I did manage to leave the country, so I managed to get into uh, Mallorca, which was rather nice. So, um, although I did not uh, know yeah. about that. Yeah, so I managed to squeeze out uh, some time there. Um, so weirdly as well, um, although I wasn't sort of planning on it, I actually managed to meet uh, one of my protein board members, uh, Pascal Penicor, for the first time ever, which shows you just in how weird the COVID in Mallorca while he was on holiday, which shows you just how weird the COVID world is that the first time I met my board member of nearly two years was uh, <laughs> over a glass of wine in Spain. Um, I think we were joking that actually the next time I might meet all my board members and maybe the first ever board meeting with everyone in person might have to be in Stockholm 
because it's about the only place that they all might be in in the next two months. In Stockholm? <laughs> yeah, well, because apparently the UK is quite hard to get into for Europeans now. Um, and the US is a write-off for almost everyone. And you can't go to Asia. I mean, Stockholm sounds great. I hear lovely things. I've always wanted to go. Well, I'm basically waiting to see how easy it actually is to get from Sweden to the UK without flying. So I'm going to wait to see how uh, Greta Thunberg does it for COP26, and uh, then I'll copy her route. <laughs> All right. That sounds awesome. Keep us posted. Uh, hydrogen developments over, over the month of August. You guys have anything to highlight? We had the UK government's hydrogen strategy. That was an interesting experience. That's a good place to start. Sure. Nothing happened, Andrew. You know, yeah. Nothing happened. That was, nothing it was, it was happened. the summer. Nothing happened. <laughs> okay. No, so there was a... There was well, feel a, free to suggest your own discussion <laughs> topics then, gentlemen. There was a long-awaited release of the government's, UK government's hygiene strategy, I should say, uh, which came out. It was a fairly significant number of documents. Actually, I think it was about four in total that they put out. So there was a strategy... There was a consultation on price support mechanisms. There was a consultation on a capital uh, grant facility called the Net Zero Hydrogen Fund consultation. There was a consultation on low carbon hydrogen standards. And I think there even is a technical annex on the government's estimates for hydrogen production costs and efficiencies over time. So actually a lot of content to read. I think uh, eagle-eyed listeners probably uh, have seen my, some of my views on the strategy and some of my views on uh, the twin track approach in other forms of media. So I'm not going to cover them here. Suffice to say, it is quite interesting to see the scale of where they see the potential role of hydrogen in the UK, 20 to 35% of all UK energy by 2050 being hydrogen is an enormous number. Um, I was speaking to an analyst who was saying that the UK energy market is estimated to be 500 billion pounds, so over half a trillion dollars by 2050, um, just as a, as a commodity market. Um, and so if you were then looking at that kind of numbering, you're saying the hydrogen market there is really going from probably in the low hundreds of millions, I mean, actually, maybe even below 100 million as an energy market today in the UK, as opposed to as a feedstock market, you know, to the stage where we're talking, you know, 30 to 45 billion minimum. Um, so huge, huge growth potential. And that's just the UK. And obviously there are other markets too. So I think that is kind of interesting. And then obviously with COP26 will be interesting to see where that goes. Cause I think quite a few people took August as a chance to sort of catch their breath, but, um, I'm sure with uh, our speaker today and with many other speakers, we'll learn a lot more about other hydrogen strategies that are coming out and how people are going to use hydrogen as that part of their mission statement for decarbonization at COP26. I think that is a, I think that is a high likelihood uh, that we may get some interesting information about hydrogen strategies with today's guest. Patrick, I don't want to leave you out of the mix. I know you uh, had a wild and crazy uh, staycation here in Washington, D.C. over the month. But uh, anything on your radar in the hydrogen industry that you want to address or should we just skip it? I, I, I'm, I'm kind of blanking after a month, really, to be honest. I think that, that there's been quite a few kind of announcements and and there's been some uh, some news but um you know look it's 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 all systems go as we push forward you know to, to climate week to cop to to kind of a lot more announcements on roadmaps and deployment strategies in in a lot of different countries but also you know i think it's it's some of the the kind of uh the projects moving towards kind of the next phases or, you know, we've had all the, the grand pipeline announcements. It's now time to move them forward towards the uh, the investment decisions and actually getting the steel in the ground. So looking forward to the next year for sure. But uh, I think in the next couple of months, there's probably quite a few things to come out. 
So, yeah, let's look forward, not at August of uh, 2021. But you're not going to comment on any of the stuff in Ireland, Patrick? I mean, it seems to me like in the last few months, including August, Ireland has exploded as a sort of area of hydrogen interest. Like, look, there's... There's um I know that there's been some kind of uh, trials done on on fuel cell buses um uh, kind of coming out I know that there's probably a few projects kind of under contemplation and kind of probably I'm not even sure whether they're feasibility or post feasibility at this stage to be honest I'm I'm not particularly close to those but um yeah some of the storage yeah. stuff is quite interesting um Decarbon X the Tony O'Reilly outfit that's looking at the large scale hydrogen storage there's some of that and some of the stuff around Cork and Dublin that I think is is interesting maybe at some point we need to see if we can I mean, get someone like james carson or uh one of the others from ireland to come on and uh you can agree or disagree with them patrick or i can uh, try and tempt my other my other source of irish energy news stevens and harwood's uh Cahole doyle on because otherwise uh yeah, you're letting down the side on the Irish hydrogen. It's it's called it's called being stuck in the U.S. for the last two years, Chris. I don't know don't know if you've noticed, but there's been stuff going on. Well, okay, but what about the and I'll, and I'll stop harassing you because uh, I appreciate it. But August and the Green Hydrogen UN Group, anything interesting from that, or are they saving all of their ammunition to later in the year? No, this is a the the Green Hydrogen Catapult is a, a COP focused kind of effort right now so uh some some stuff later in the year which is see this is what i was you know foreshadowing you know i was teasing teasing you all for what what comes next but uh, sorry um, i'm not yeah, so no. clever patrick i missed the subtlety in that so you didn't watch enough netflix over the course of covid mate that's uh, that's what this is uh, apparently not well look why don't we put myself out of misery andrew i think the honors have to go to you here for this week's guest and it is an incredible guest so i'm going to put you in the hot seat tell us who you know, put our listeners out of misery. Who is the first guest of season three? Everything about hydrogen, and what are they going to talk about with us today? Yeah, I'll give it a whirl. Uh, though I doubt she needs too much of an introduction. But uh, for those of our listeners who are not familiar with Governor Lewin Grisham, she is the current governor of the state of New Mexico. Uh, she previously served in Congress, uh, representing the first congressional district of New Mexico in the U.S. House of Representatives. Uh, she has also served as Secretary of Health for the state of New Mexico, I believe. And she is also currently the chair of the Democratic Governors Association. So a lot going on, pretty busy, a lot of hats. But uh, she and uh, Secretary of Environment for New Mexico, uh, James Kenney, have agreed very graciously to join us on the show today to talk about their plans and their administration's uh, ambitions for the hydrogen sector in the state of New Mexico and beyond. So, Governor, as a kickoff question, can you tell us a little bit about your vision for the hydrogen economy and, and how it could develop in your state? Uh, really, it's a two-part vision that I can make very simple. Hydrogen for an energy state is more jobs. And uh, we want that in every context. And we need innovation and we need more in the transportation sector. The second vision we have here is that hydrogen in the energy environment, right, gives us a clean energy platform, continues to meet our goals 
for renewable energy and uh, decarbonization of everything uh, in our power. And it's tough to do that, right? You've seen us do it in the utility sector. You're seeing us work on it and be very robust in the transportation sector. Uh, hydrogen gives us an opportunity to do even more in the ag and transportation sector. And we're an innovator uh, state, given the fact that we have research labs, two of the national labs right here, lots of private sector labs and lots of private sector startup companies who are, in my opinion, the best in the country at innovating uh, and finding strategies to get the private market and job growth in a productive energy environment. And uh, I'm excited about all of it. But uh, and it, we're, you're going to hear more on the podcast about our work to uh, get a, a statutory framework for hydrogen, because what you need is predictability and people need to see what that vision really looks like on paper, in writing. Uh, and we're very excited about that. And it's one of the reasons you get two for one. Our environment secretary, uh, James Kenny, is on with me and he's a, a, an energy and environmental expert. And uh, we've got all the right state tools to make sure that we implement our vision effectively. And uh, we're very spoiled to have, uh, as you say, uh, yourself, Governor, as well as uh, Secretary Kenny with us. So thank you very much for both attending. Um, maybe we can just dive straight into that. So, you know, I think a lot of people from the international side have often said that America is this sort of enormous potential opportunity for the hydrogen economy and that, you know, people really felt that it had been maybe a little bit of a sleeping giant for a long time. And now it seems to be waking up, as it were, um, and people are anxious and excited to see what comes. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about how you're in the state of New Mexico, um, thinking about your hydrogen strategy what, and how that ties to the vision that you just gave Patrick. Um, I'll do that. And I'm going to ask uh, the secretary to make sure I don't miss anything. But, you know, I really want while states are innovators, you're not going to get a, a governor anywhere in the country. Uh, it, it transcends political party. States are incubators. We're the innovators. We can be more like the private sector in that regard. We can turn things on and off and be really effective and we can expedite uh, any number of strategies so that you're removing barriers. But in terms of the international community, we need the power of the federal government to make sure that you're creating not just public sector investments, uh, but $8 billion is an incredible statement about a clean energy economy and hydrogen and utilizing the power and the expertise of the Department of Energy at the federal level heightens the ability of states to be incredibly successful as we innovate and provide right, those hydrogen strategies so that we're not just producing, but we're commercializing uh, and we are delivering. And I think that is an important message that a productive competition with the international community, great, because we wanna be decarbonizing uh, everywhere we can in order to effectively do as much as we can about climate change. Uh, and we need these transitions. But I just wanted to point out that the federal government component here really creates a brand new leadership opportunity for the United States to maximize its ability here. Um, and we've got more stability in that geopolitical uh, construct 
than most of our international partners do around the world. And I think that that is also something that is an incredible opportunity. Businesses need predictability. Uh, They want to understand exactly where we are, where we're going, and what those rules are, so that as they're investing and innovating and hiring, that they know that that is sustainable. Uh, And then uh, I'll do one last thing, and I'm going to go to um, uh, the secretary. I mean, for hydrogen, New Mexico has so many aspects, right? We've got the right uh, regulatory framework with both methane and ozone. So we know that we've got a, a clean energy strategy related to hydrogen, which is what the private sector both wants and expects, and so does the federal government. Two, we have the geology here so that you're dealing with all the things that you need to, including carbon sequestration. And we have Uh, power plants that we've been um, uh, retiring, but we didn't destroy them so that we're in a position to use those. And I think the very first uh, generating uh, or power plant for hydrogen can, in fact, take place in one of the most rural spots in New Mexico with hundreds of jobs as a result. So uh, it's very exciting about how well positioned the U.S. is and quite frankly, how well positioned New Mexico is. Secretary, what am I missing? Um, Governor, I was just going to uh, share with with, um, the podcast listeners the uh, efforts we're taking to build that certainty, and and that's through our uh, proposed Hydrogen Hub Act. So you're hearing it first um, that that we are moving towards bringing a piece of key legislation uh, next year, bringing it about and I'm just going to cover a few of the pieces that um, the governor sort of talked about that we are now putting into the, the draft legislation. Um, and really, our first component of the Hydrogen Hub Act is to uh, build economic drivers that rely on the public-private um, partnership. Um, that is a really key component uh, to bringing that investment into New Mexico and to achieving those uh, climate reductions. Second focusing on the hard to decarbonize sectors. Uh, That is another area that we're focused in on where our traditional sort of approaches haven't reached yet. Third, we want to, as the governor just mentioned, focus on both hydrogen storage and sequestration and remove those obstacles so that those activities can happen here in the state. Uh, Fourth, we wanna make sure that we build hydrogen uh, corridors for commercial freight, as well as that will benefit passenger vehicles. And finally, and most importantly, um, or one of the most important components of this is workforce training. And uh, the governor's led um, another effort with respect to workforce training in terms of our Energy Transition Act. And we see an equivalent sort of piece of that coming into the Hydrogen Hub Act. So there's more, but those are the big components that we're looking at to put into a piece of legislation. Done silence as everyone is uh, is just going. Oh wow! Okay, lots lots to sort of think about there, which is really exciting. And thank you very much, Secretary, for the um, the, the sort of sneak preview, if you like, or the exclusive. Um, maybe just tie it together for our audience. So the Hydrogen Hub Act. How does um, this kind of tie in with the Biden Infrastructure Plan? And if you like, how do they? Where are the synergies that you see uh, for the state of New Mexico between the sort of federal government initiative that was launched and that the governor spoke eloquently about and this particular new initiative and how do they kind of reinforce each other? If you could maybe be so kind as to give a little bit of context around that for our 
I guess, American listeners, but certainly our non-American listeners who maybe aren't so yeah. familiar well, Chris, with Chris, anytime you want to give me a compliment like that, that I'm eloquent, we'll do these podcasts uh, every week. So uh, thanks a bunch for that. Well, uh, it, uh, the, the good news is, is that as we're developing the Hydrogen Hub Act, right, so that we've got all the language, we can see where the federal government and the Biden infrastructure plan, uh, the Department of Energy's efforts, and we can make sure that there's synergy between what we're proposing and what's coming down from the federal government. Frankly, and that's what they're looking for. They really want to make sure that their investments into states where they're creating hydrogen hubs and a marketplace, that states are doing the work to create not only the infrastructure, but that your vision is, is complementary to the federal effort here. And so we are, we're, we're going to be leapfrogging that, I believe, um, with many states and the way that we do it technically just for, we have got a 30 day session uh, that's just a few months away. New Mexico does a budget session and then a longer policy session, except that the governor can do anything she wants in any session. And so this is going to be our signature piece of legislation, which gives us a great deal of confidence, not to minimize that other elected leaders are going to weigh in. Uh, their expertise and their priorities uh, will absolutely be considered and we'll uh, uh, negotiate that. But we've been doing the work by having the federal government, including the Department of Energy secretary on the ground in New Mexico, right? Looking at what we have, visiting the communities, uh, talking to our innovators and private sector companies. And as a result, we really know how the framework of this legislation needs to be designed. Uh, and so I think it fits incredibly well. And again, it gives the federal government certainty that it's not a one-off. You know, we're not looking for a, a federal grant to sort of look at this issue, that we expect that New Mexico is the hydrogen hub and that there might be other states, we hope, who will join in that effort. But that's how we view this. We become the epicenter of hydrogen development, innovation, and delivery. I think so it's, it's, it's really encouraging to hear that, hear that vision. I, I just one quick question, if I can, yeah. just you mentioned training and 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 obviously the 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 development of various kind of you know, the, the focus on public-private partnerships, the, the focus on these hydrogen corridors. And there's a real-world jobs and economic impact around that. I'm, I'm wondering, do you have any sense of, you know, in, in, in this very ambitious plan that you're rolling out, you know, how, how much does that, that come to bear? And do you have any sense of estimates of what that will mean for New Mexico as an example for the rest of the United States? Well, we think it, it, it's unlimited potential. I mean, if you just look in our current energy sector, both renewable and uh, oil and gas, you're talking about tens of thousands of jobs for a state that's got 2 million people in it. Uh, it is enormous, both in terms of converting current jobs so that you don't lose them and building future jobs. Now we wanna be training in high schools, we wanna be training in two-year institutions, four-year institutions, private sector workforce, training development, it has to be all of the above. And while this isn't the, the nature of this podcast, it's another reason that one of my priorities is free college. And what I mean by free college is I don't want just uh, uh, 
young, bright, incredible minds that uh, we already are encouraging to work, get job training, or go to college without a high school. We have lots of individuals that are transitioning into different careers or never got an opportunity to pick a career of their choice. Uh, this is a way that they get to protect their own environment in their community and have these incredible new jobs. So we're gonna go after all of these career opportunities. We're already invested in centers of excellence in this regard in uh, colleges in New Mexico. Uh, and make no mistake, we hope your listeners are thinking about bringing their companies and their workers, their careers to this state. We're gonna have to build that. And don't get me started on what a wonderful place this is to live. What am I missing? That's how I got Jim Kenny here. <laughs> well, and Andrew in the biotech team as well. That's right. And Andrew in the biotech team. We are showing unequivocally uh, what the potential is for innovators and job creators. And, and I could even add to that, Governor, and, and Andrew could probably expand on this. And it's not our job to interview you, Andrew, but... But, um, you know, I think by creating a center of excellence at, excellence at San Juan College, it, it put Biotech in the position to partner with San Juan College to then enter into that private-public partnership kind of training of the hydrogen workforce. And that's what we, so earlier in the podcast or earlier in the question, it was, you know, where's New Mexico fit in being awake with the rest of the, or hydrogen's now awake with the rest of the, the world in, in the U.S., I think we've been awake for a while in New Mexico focused on hydrogen. That's not new to us. We've been, we've been at it now for uh, at least a couple of years. Yeah, and I think building off of that, Governor and, and Secretary Kinney as well, uh, how do you guys envision hydrogen uh, as a sector and as a technology supporting, you know, New Mexico is an energy state traditionally, you know, so... How do you guys envision hydrogen fitting into that piece in part of the clean energy transition, but also maintaining that energy uh, prevalence and leading the United States in that front? How do you how do you see hydrogen supporting other energy sector initiatives within your state? Uh, I might pass that right to the secretary, but know this: we can't do ag transportation or even support where we're headed uh, uh, with uh, decarbonizing the oil and gas and utility sectors. You have to have this as a bridge. And I think that there's, this, that there's been this sort of stagnant response by too many policymakers that, all right, fossil fuels is an incredible problem in terms of the environment. All right, so we're gonna stop that yesterday we know that renewable energy is an incredible source for the future and everyone's developing it, including us. And we're leaders. We've got leading investments in wind and solar and geothermal. But we really haven't worked in this transition space where you can decarbonize other sectors. And hydrogen is the only productive, clear path where you're using what typically could be a problem, methane, natural gas, and capturing, pardon the pun, uh, that so that you are investing in a much cleaner, reliable energy source that allows us to be building this transition and how many others? I mean, New Mexico is poised to basically turn methane into a fuel cell on the spot. While most states are still sort of trying to figure out how to, how to allow but regulate flaring, we're just 
Not only are we still hurting the environment, we're not innovating, creating jobs, uh, and we're, it's, it's money that's available to companies and states and the federal government. It makes no sense. This really is that central component that we waited far too long as a nation to talk about, to Jim, to Secretary Kenny's point and yours, uh, we've been doing it for a long time. I think that's the benefit of being an energy state. Uh, we've been at it longer and we're ready to go, but it is a critical, crucial aspect. And I hope all of the folks that listen to this podcast continue to help us to educate Americans about the value of this work to continue to be a leader to address climate change, create jobs, and to build reliable energy transitions and corridors. Because we have to do all of it. And New Mexico, we think, we know, is in a position to do that productively. What am I missing now? Governor, I think, again, you're, you're, you got it. The, uh, and, and He's paid to say that, and I'm all right with that. <laughs> I'm completely all right with that. Um, Andrew, do, do you I'd love, to, I'd love it if it was the same here. That would be great. If, yeah. you know, was, if Andrew and Patrick paid, but you know, we're working on it. We're working on it. Cheeky. Well, the, I was just going to add in that, you know, getting the production and consumption of hydrogen mm. in New Mexico is exactly what our hydrogen hub act is aiming to do. And it builds on the very solid foundation of, again, our legislative, our bill that is, it been enacted, the governor has signed into law in 2019 that decarbonized the electric sector. We have another bill that's concurrent with the Hydrogen Hub Act to decarbonize the transportation sector. Once you have decarbonized energy and decarbonized transportation fuels, we are in a prime position for clean hydrogen, low intensity hydrogen, low carbon intensity hydrogen. And that's exactly the position that we're finding ourselves in and it's not being we're not finding it we set out on this uh this epic adventure to get to where we are right now so so maybe following on in that that kind of you know spirit of very intentional pathways that you created you know i think one question that anybody listening to this and, and from the experiences that we've seen you know in many many other places around you know what what barriers or challenges you know do you see in trying to implement the strategy and, you know, particularly obviously the ones around decarbonization that you just flagged and setting up the structures around carbon capture and sequestration, you know, these are, these are some of the most challenging questions. So how, how have you, how have you grappled with them and how, how are you going to try and engage? Uh, there are going to be, there always are significant barriers. Uh, yeah. For me, uh, making sure that we really can, commercialize these aspects and create those pathways, both regionally, nationally, and internationally. Uh, but um, I think actually the barriers that we know are always going to exist, right, which is uh, folks who may challenge this as a priority in terms of uh, a shift, a transitional aspect of energy production. And we don't have all the rules about the infrastructure investments from the feds, and nobody's really sure about what the private public sector uh, aspects are. But I think that uh, we're prepared in the not only the hydrogen hub act, but to work with the private sector in advance to identify 
the commercialization, the infrastructure, the risk. You know, if you can't really start to get your arms around what the risk looks like, you make it too difficult for the private sector to engage. And I think far too many entities and governments don't quite understand carbon sequestration. And I think that that has become sort of a, uh, a, a rallying point for and against making it having any movement in the energy sector. But look, you've got states that are really looking at it, uh, Texas, Wyoming, New Mexico, and doing it. So I, I think that barrier is actually going to sort of take care of itself as long as we're clear, our vision is clear, our relationship with the private sector is clear. And I, I know in this podcast, everyone who's listening says, oh, don't minimize the barriers to commercialization and the infrastructure and financial risk and uh, the, the, the rest. When you have $8 billion that are set aside and states that already have these assets above ground and below ground and local company innovators, I think it's pretty easy to start to identify those issues and peel them away 10 at a time. And that's exactly, and more people are going to come to us about barriers and issues or challenges and opportunities because they're gonna see us lead in with the Hydrogen Hub Act. And that's really uh, an invitation for government to have a core partnership with the private sector so that those challenges get completely eradicated or minimized to the degree that we have shared risk for whatever's left. And that's our strategy and attitude moving forward. So, Governor, thank you for, for answering that. Um, one of the things that we've uh, seen and that a lot of people have commented on is um, it, it's sometimes the best way to uh, to prove to somebody that a technology is interesting and exciting is to prove that you're using it yourself. You know, because it's always a good case study to say, you know, this is how we're using it here. Are you going to give me a hydrogen car? That's fantastic. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure many of our listeners could give you a hydrogen car. And I guess that kind of leads oh, into my question. It's completely is, inappropriate. Don't give me. The state will purchase do, a hydrogen Do not send uh, free cars to the governor. Anybody yeah. who's listening. <laughs> Under any circumstances. <laughs> So, well, we now, we've now gone through that disclosure agreement. So that's great. <laughs> Disclaimer. Good. Um, well, um, but no, my, my question was um, within the state of New Mexico itself and New Mexico's own uh, plans for the energy transition, uh, you spoke about the Hydrogen Hub Act and said that one of the focuses is going to be around uh, decarbonizing those hard to evade areas and also building freight corridors. Maybe you could talk a little bit about how you see hydrogen sitting alongside other sources of energy and other technologies that you're using in the state to decarbonize the state itself, because I think people would find that interesting and see maybe lessons they can learn from that and see whether that provides an opportunity for their state to, to follow or engage. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one thing that I really appreciate about your question is if you don't see it uh, in action in the, the context where policymakers have direct control, like state government, it makes it feel like it's not really something uh, that's a, a priority or is doable because why wouldn't government do it? Uh, and we are uh, incredibly green in state government when we've been uh, all of our parking lots now, and that sounds like a small thing, but you know we have an incredible fleet, uh, our uh, uh, solar powered, and we're moving to uh, electric vehicles and we're turning in, and New Mexico is gonna also have in the next 30 day session, we're gonna get our clean fuel standards. And we're going to apply those, of course, to state government. Our state government uh, uh, umbrella for making sure that you have 
uh, all of that in place. Uh, we are decarbonizing both our, our transportation sector and state government, our buildings, uh, and that we're using any number of renewable sources is the general services department. And that is a key thing they're required to do. You know, we are in conversations and I'm going to have the secretary jump in to really talk about how we can uh, invest in state transportation in a way that shows that hydrogen in the transportation sector can be led inside state government. Uh, and we believe that we not only can showcase that, that we can be really effective. And in one of my first meetings, I think even actually in transition before I was sworn in, might have even been before I met Secretary Kinney, who of course wasn't the secretary then, uh, but we had some local car dealers, mostly from rural areas, who wanted the state to uh, weigh in to get hydrogen-powered buses. And of course, the debate is always colder environments, higher altitudes, where do you get it? And uh, I uh, would like to tell you that we transcended all of that right in that space. And COVID clearly for every state, ours included, with a lot of those things that were in motion uh, didn't uh, uh, stall out, but were delayed to some degree. And now we've got a federal administration that's uh, putting wide open our opportunities. There's a whole lot of folks that are really clear that the power of the public sector to change the environment in all of these efforts, particularly ag and transportation, is immense. So we will lead by example. What am I missing, Secretary? Governor, I was going to add that, you know, in, in response to the question that there are what, what we are very focused on low carbon fuels, low carbon intensity sources of energy, be it um, in the transportation arena, as the governor has been talking about, uh, or in other parts of our economy. And hydrogen can play a major role there. So when you think about transportation more broadly, you can think about getting your power from the grid, right? And we have worked extensively on grid issues as well, as I've alluded to earlier. Uh, but there's also that decentralized approach to making sure that hydrogen is available off-grid in rural areas for charging electric vehicles as well. Um, so having that small modular way of bringing hydrogen to rural communities is just as important as decarbonizing the grid. And, uh, and then as we've indicated, you know, car, uh, coal-fired power plant now becoming a hydrogen-fired power plant puts that clean energy back on the grid. So there's that sort of centralized and decentralized approach that uh, transportation is a, is a good example of. But we, we haven't even hit the surface in terms of, you know, talking about agriculture and wastewater treatment methane that could be converted to hydrogen and, and power local communities that way. I mean, why are city and county fleets not using the benefit of their local, their local energy sources? Um, so there's a, there's a lot to explore here, as, as you all know. But these are the areas in which we're incenting under the Hydrogen Hub Act to explore, to make certain, and to bring that clean hydrogen to market, not only in production, but consumption as well. Uh, I hope that kind of touched on the answer to the question or provided some useful info. Absolutely. And, and Governor and Secretary Kennedy as well, I know you guys have been very generous with your time and I know we are, we are running up towards the end of it, probably a little bit over. So 
we will uh, we will let you guys go. But I, I wanted to just close out with an opportunity. You know, I have this question that I got from another podcaster, um, and I think it is often a good opportunity for guests to wrap up on this question, which is. Is there a question we should have asked you guys or that we should be asking that we haven't? Or is there anything that we've missed that uh, you guys would like to close out on? Oh, you know, I use that question. So whoever asked that in every one of my interviews for appointments and uh, exempt uh, employees, because you need to know what somebody else is thinking. And uh, this, this is, we need you and we need every private public sector uh, individual or organization to tell us where we uh, weigh in. And so this is an opportunity to say, we don't need to make mistakes that we could have avoided or missed an opportunity that we didn't see because you're in it, doing it, preparing for it, delivering it, involved internationally. So it's a, I do appreciate that. Instead of the question, maybe, let's have a conversation at the next podcast. I hope you invite us back about where we can create an environment where you can tell us what would be the most meaningful things, first, second, and third. What are we missing? Who do we need to be engaged with? And how do we create a lasting partnership so that everyone is successful? Uh, That's what we're going to need most. And we're hoping we can continue to lean on your listeners and to lean on experts and expertise around the world. Fantastic. Well, Governor and Secretary Kinney, thank you so very much for making the time today. We really, really, truly appreciate it. I know you have an incredibly busy schedule, so it's, uh, we're thrilled to have you on as the uh, inaugural guest for season three of uh, Everything About Hydrogen. Thank you again. You got it. We love everything about hydrogen. Bye, everyone. This episode of Everything About Hydrogen is brought to you by Biotech. Biogas, Biotech's gas-as-a-service option, provides customers with low-cost hydrogen on demand. Get dependable access to as much hydrogen as you require when you need it. Biotech produces the hydrogen locally and distributes it via high-pressure transport trailers. Avoiding long transportation distances saves money while minimizing emissions. You pay for the fuel by the kilogram, avoiding high infrastructure costs. Biotech makes hydrogen easy. Visit biotech.us today to get low-cost, low-carbon hydrogen delivered on demand. So guys, I'm going to take over Andrew's traditional spot as the non, uh, non-North non American member here and uh, say, you know, obviously the states and the way the federal government works and state government work is obviously a little bit of a strange one for uh, our non-American listeners. So it's always quite interesting to see what can be done at state level versus at the federal level. And, and clearly, Governor Grisham is nothing but uh, ambitious. And I think it's quite interesting, obviously quite a lot that was covered on the show. Patrick, maybe I'll start with you. The Hydrogen Hub Act, scheduled for 2022, a uh, Everything About Hydrogen exclusive. Five wow. things that I picked out from that. What were the most interesting areas for you? What would you have liked to uh, ask the governor if we'd had a little bit more time? So you have a list of five that I've kind of got to check off now. That's, that's what I'm taking Oh, away. yeah, and I'm not yeah. giving you the five first. <laughs> no, yeah, I got, I, got, I got that. No, I think, I think the first thing... And and for for as you rightly flag for folks outside of outside of North America or are familiar with the kind of the style and structure of government, 
having ambitious uh, leaders and, and ambitious legislation at, at a state level is is pretty pretty important. So you know, even when we we talked through the specifics, the fact that there were kind of I have like five major kind of uh, points across that, which cover everything from public-private collaboration to to kind of engagement with carbon capture streams to engaging with, you know, kind of training and transport to, you know, kind of targeting the hard debate spaces. That level of ambition and planning is, is not something that's terribly common right now. That's a hell of a, uh, you know, kind of string to the bow for New Mexico as it, as it plans to go forward. I think understanding the broad opportunity that you have when generating, developing hydrogen resources is going to be really, really kind of important here. I think one of the takeaways, well, actually one of the questions that I have is, you know, the, the conversion of Four Corners into a, a hydrogen generation resource. I, I'd like to know more about that. And having, having worked in, in and around the, the kind of power sector in New Mexico a little while ago, you know, what the implications for, you know, PNM going forward is going to be and how they're going to kind of manage this kind of potential for, you know, electrolysis and wind resources, particularly in East New Mexico is going to be very interesting. So five points to take away. Leadership, actually to have proactive and engaged leadership is very, very important. To have a vision of the sectors you want to target, you know, particularly the H2 corridors and, and transportation targeting, very important. Clearly, an understanding of the collaborative opportunity that the state can have with innovators in the space, but also now engage with federal government uh, kind of resourcing as per the the, the infrastructure plan that, that is coming out of the administration right now. Very, very crucial. And knowing what you want to do to actually utilize those federal funds and federal, federal resources is going to be a really, really big thing for states that want to, want to start fast. So, yeah, that maybe is three or four, but... Uh, I think three or four really, really strong points. So now the question is, Chris, do you really have five? Well, I had five points from the Hydrogen Hub Act, but before I give away the answers, um, Andrew, Beartech's home state, you know, a, an area that you guys know very well and that I believe Beartech's done a lot of work in, you know, this was an exclusive. And as Patrick says, you know, at the federal, le- at the state level in the US, there's a huge amount of influence that governors can have. Clearly, New Mexico did a lot to attract you guys to be there in the first place. So maybe putting you on the spot now, what were your kind of key takeaways from the discussion? Um, you know, what do you feel was covered there that perhaps people don't realize? And, you know, general thoughts and reflections, I suppose. Yeah, I think there's a there's a lot to unpack, but let's let's see if I can do so briefly. Right. And I think one of the things that may be key for our international listeners as well, and it depends, you know, obviously from country to country and circumstance to circumstance, but as you rightly point out, Chris, in the U S they're really, in some ways, there really are 50 different markets here in the United States, right. In, in a number of different capacities. So leaders like governor Lewin Grisham and secretary Kenny really do have a significant impact, particularly in the energy sector, when they take ambitious initiatives and set up big goals for their states. Right? It can be it can be uh, you know sea changing. So I think really really fantastic. And traditionally, you know, just to be fair, you often hear about California right leading a lot of these things, particularly in the in the clean energy sector. And I think uh, New Mexico stepping up to the plate and uh, you know making a uh, making a target of becoming the U.S. leading state in hydrogen is really, really fantastic to see. And, you know, it is strategically and geographically located uh, advantageously. 
uh, as a state market, right, in terms of building out a hydrogen hub and infrastructure that serves, uh, you know, quite a bit of the Western market, huge portions of the United States. So I think it really is, uh, it's very promising. And I think uh, the state of New Mexico has made a, you know, pretty amazing strides in becoming part of the clean energy transition. So really, absolutely thrilled about the hydrogen hub, particularly from, <laughs> if I'm saying so, Biotech will be absolutely thrilled about that, right? So I think, you know, another thing that they touched on that maybe we didn't dive into much detail on, you know, the, the governor did have the, you know, the state was considering a low carbon fuel standard last year in the legislative session and was not able to, uh, they were not able to get it to a vote because they ran out of time <laughs> before the legislative session closed. Uh, but that's a huge initiative as well and very important for the state of New Mexico. Um, and that's, uh, you know, the very likely to be passed and to be put in place uh, in this round of the legislative session. So that's also encouraging. Um, I think that, you know, the other thing that the governor touched on that's, that's uh, particularly important, especially for a state like New Mexico, is that uh, they have a very large energy sector workforce that, uh, you know, quite a large chunk of which is in the oil and gas sector. And that is a sector that as the clean energy transition evolves, those workers and that workforce needs to transition over. And hydrogen is uh, you know, a pretty, pretty straightforward step in terms of skill sets. Uh, and I think that uh, that's, the state is taking the right approach by supporting the hydrogen, uh, hydrogen sector, because I think it makes it easy for well, easy is maybe a strong word, but it's much more seamless of a transition uh, from that energy sector to the hydrogen sector. So uh, I think, you know, all I can say is very encouraging and a really, really good discussion. Right. So the five that I took from here going off that is uh, the need for public-private partnerships, um, which I think is always an interesting buzzword in the States, but I think it is a buzzword for a reason, which is just that there is such a wall of private capital. Um, in the US and indeed in many markets. And it seems very unlikely to achieve the level of decarbonization at the pace we want without some kind of public-private partnership. So I think the governor spoke to that, but I think um, that was obviously one of the key points. Focus on hard to decarbonize sectors. I thought that was really important. Um, I think too often we get hung up in the discussion around hydrogen in forgetting that we're not talking about trying to decarbonize things where you can already use battery electric or you can electrify or frankly you can use biofuels or energy efficiency we are trying to figure out how we decarbonize those other parts of the economy that are harder to reach and i think uh, that was encouraging to see that that is a focus for the use of hydrogen talking about hydrogen storage um, i think that's really important geology is a really interesting part of the decarbonization challenge not every place in the world will be suitable for hydrogen cavern storage um equally co2 sequestration uh, i think this is a difficult area for me um i have very mixed and torn views on it i think there's definitely a need for carbon capture storage in different markets whether that has to be tied to hydrogen production i'm not going to get too hung up on here i think people have heard my views on that before but um certainly the hydrogen storage and geology points i think are well noted um the governor then mentions hydrogen corridors. I think we've again spoken about in the US, the sheer size of the continent kind of forces you to think in that more strategic way uh, and frankly, that more connected way. You know, so how does um, the activities within New Mexico tie into the activities in neighboring states? And I guess it will be interesting to see, you know, to the early question we were asking how state level actions in places like New Mexico can be sort of reinforced and enhanced by the federal government 
to try and, if you like, um, coordinate between different states that might be willing to make movement on these issues, but where there needs to be infrastructure that goes across state lines, frankly speaking, uh, and making sure that that is continuous and available. Uh, and the final piece, obviously, was workforce training. And, you know, um, without being too flippant about it, I think the British cliche is that in American politics, everyone says jobs, jobs, jobs. And I think the governor did a pretty good job of saying jobs, jobs, jobs. Uh, you know, so finishing a workforce training and uh, and actually opening with, as her first two uh, lines of the podcast, a focus on jobs for the state and a focus on H2 as a clean energy platform. Um, I, I think maybe helps us to look at the hydrogen economy slightly differently insofar as we talked about before, there's a bit of a LinkedIn hydrogen bubble, but maybe not even just LinkedIn. It's just a general bubble where people in the hydrogen space don't talk outside the hydrogen space. And frankly, critics of the hydrogen space don't talk outside of their bubble either. And in talking to the governor, realizing that this is a piece that touches on lots of issues that perhaps are not that interesting at the macro, you know, super, super high level, um, but are extremely important at the local level. I mean, for example, Secretary Ken, you're talking about off-grid hydrogen for rural communities, hugely important, hugely interesting area, something we've talked about before in more in the context of developing countries, but actually for mining, again, really interesting. And, and for those disconnected communities, frankly, you know, the UK, we're seeing this in places like Orkney, um, you know, coal-fired power stations reconverting to hydrogen. We're seeing that in Asia already. Um, it's a really interesting way of repurposing existing infrastructure with sunk carbon, actually because we've spent the carbon on building these things so blowing them up or decommissioning them when we can repurpose them actually is a waste of the carbon investment we've made um if we can repurpose them efficiently and then things like wastewater treatment sites turning that methane into hydrogen you know it doesn't work everywhere some places you can just put that hydrogen into the grid as biomethane but actually in remote areas where you can use that to power community vehicles or municipal vehicles that makes a ton of sense and there's a lot of people in the uk looking at that as well as in europe so uh, i thought lots to take from that personally, and it'll be exciting to see kind of where it um, where it all executes. Um, for my ignorance, maybe for the listeners, how many states have officially a hydrogen strategy or some kind of hydrogen act in the way that New Mexico does? I actually think it's a fascinating and excellent question. I don't actually know the answer. Um, I think a small number, <laughs> if I were to guess, but I think uh, that points more, you know, even more to the fact that, uh, you know, New Mexico is leading, is helping lead that charge, right? I mean, they are actively drafting and working on a hydrogen hub act in a, in a hydrogen strategy for the state. So I think that just uh, you know adds to the list of things to, uh, at least from our standpoint, praise about uh, the state of New Mexico and what they're doing in the hydrogen sector. I think, Chris, one thing you you touched on, but maybe in a in a, taking another approach to it, right, is you're talking about how the states can act independently and how the federal government can facilitate interaction between the states. Absolutely a great point. And of course, an essential component of developing the, sec the hydrogen sector or any, any new and growing sector for that matter of the economy is for the federal government to facilitate interaction and development between the states. But I would point out that it doesn't have to be through the federal government, right? I mean, the states are free to interact with each other and develop initiatives uh, together, independent of the federal government. And I think that, uh, you know, like, like I said, I think the New Mexico is geographically positioned very nicely to be one of those facilitating states. And also, uh, I think it is, you know, they are actively looking at opportunities to work with California, Nevada, uh, any number of neighboring states uh, to develop hydrogen corridors, to develop 
charging corridors, all of these things. You know, they're not only looking at hydrogen, obviously, but you know, I think that's another thing that uh, New Mexico is doing. Other states are doing as well as working with their neighbors uh, to to make these transitions happen and to build out the infrastructure uh, in the sector and in the clean energy sector more broadly. So, I think uh, federal government is a key key actor there, but you know, it can be done. It can be done even without Joe Biden's kind helping hands. <laughs> so, so one last question then, Andrew. Did we pass Chris's test? Which was Chris's test? His, his five checklist questions. Oh, we yeah. Them. Well, I noticed his checklist got a little bit. It, there were like little mm. sub-checks in there that kept yeah. getting it, it added in. It was very professorial, actually. I felt yeah. like he was reviewing my term paper or some kind of presentation. The, I, I cheated and did the old-fashioned thing. I wrote them down. Um, <laughs> so, um, no, look, I mean, it, I mean, it's interesting as a, as sort of a, someone just, int- as a, someone looking at it from a different, um, from a ge- different geography and in some sense it's a non-vested interest because I don't operate in the States, um, at least not yet, um, but I don't operate in States as a, as a business pro team. So one thing that is sort of striking to me and maybe um, an interesting place to kind of, close in some ways is hydrogen is always enjoyed in the u.s bipartisan support it was something that the bush administration pushed through and that um, republicans in the past have been very supportive of uh, obviously the governor is a democrat in a state that is um, heavily republican from my understanding at the in the in the house congress is that what you call it you probably call that the wrong thing but i think it's the house congress isn't it i think uh new mexico is a a blue state a largely blue state in geographical area that is traditionally more red (laughs) Um, i would i would put it this way just when it comes to federal representation there are two democrat two democratic senators and two of three uh members of congress are democrats as well Um, okay but it is a delegation that uh is heavily focused on clean energy and, and energy transition figuring out how to evolve New Mexico's energy economy it is a, a central focus of all of their federal delegations. So I would say that they are they are all involved in this discussion and, and have their you know, their own interests, but also uh, I think are are part of a unified front when it comes to uh, to hydrogen. Okay, so Mike, Mike, well, thank you, and, and apologies for my ignorance there, but 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 maybe then as a the way I was trying to finish is. It's quite unusual in in any country, but especially in the U.S., to see bipartisan support for an issue that is quite controversial, right? And you know, energy energy transition is quite controversial for many people. So, why is it you think you know, and maybe start with Andrew and then go to Patrick that hydrogen seems to be relatively bipartisan in its support, uh, and specifically in a place like New Mexico, is it this combination of blue and green hydrogen with you know, we didn't talk about colors in this episode, but, you know, it, obviously the governor was alluding to carbon capture and there were some allusions to sort of electrolysis and the grid. So there's kind of a talk about effectively it is like the UK. It's a dual, it's a twin track approach is the fact that it is a technology that offers a twin track approach. One of the reasons why you have more bipartisan support and therefore it is easier to see this actually advancing as a technology, despite there being a very fractured political environment. I think the answer there, Chris, is that hydrogen is one component of the energy transition pathways. And within hydrogen, there are a variety of different technologies and solutions. So I think the short answer is yes, that it does provide a number of different routes towards decarbonization that appeal across the political spectrum. But I would also say that 
I would say that the political environment in the United States, you know, this is very much a uh, just getting a feel for the <laughs> for the winds and informal polling. But I think that the energy transition is becoming a more bipartisan topic in political forums. I suppose that depends largely on where you are in the, in the context. But um, I think that there is a lot of room for agreement across the political spectrum in the energy transition, whether uh, whether that plays out in uh, popular coverage or not. But um, I think we're seeing that as the, you know, sort of the, the uh, track of where the discussions are heading towards. I don't know if that makes sense or if you would agree with that, Patrick. Oh, there's, there's a line of truth in a, you know, the, the geographic in, 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 or locational endowment a district or a state has is certainly going to influence, you know, your attitude or your, your positivity towards different routes of production. So that, that maybe creates that common ground piece. I think, I think possibly a more kind of interesting one really is that, you know, you can go back to 2001 and find, you know, the Bush White House proposing hydrogen fuel cell vehicles. And that legacy of engagement with hydrogen and hydrogen research at DOE, in, in many ways, is also linked back to a time when we weren't maybe as acutely kind of uh, acute divide, shall we say, in kind of perspectives. It was a much more kind of innovation research kind of point. And, you know, I think the knowledge and, you know, there's members of the Senate, I'm sure, and members of the House who were around for the first round of that kind of uh, kind of effort. and. I wonder, does that familiarity and understanding and the fact that it was, you know, initially put forward by one pre a president of one party and now is being pushed forward through, you know, uh, various bills by a, part, a president of the other party now means that there is kind of common understanding or common understanding of application that helps with that. You know, and we'll go back to the state thing just to finish it off for a second. Having strong governors who take a lead in driving these things forward definitely has an impact on what you know representatives and, and, and state senators go to bat for um, when they, they come to the federal level. So taking a strategic position in the state gives the state representatives a desire to work at that national level. And, and, and in that sense, the conversation that we've heard today is you make Mexico, who has two, uh, you know, two prominent senators um, who, who have taken positions on hydrogen as far as I'm aware Andrew might know a little better than I but it starts to look like the governance and representatives from New Mexico have their act together a little bit and that might be the thing that that drives this forward and and let me put it this way Senator Heinrich Senator Heinrich and Senator Lujan both from New Mexico are uh, champions of hydrogen and uh, Senator Heinrich I think probably has one of the highest profiles amongst all U.S. senators uh, in the hydrogen space, right? He is one of the co-sponsors of some hydrogen legislation that's uh, in the Senate right now. So what I would say is that we uh, invite him to come on the podcast and uh, tell us what he thinks and uh, see if we can get his feedback as well. So we'll see if that, maybe he'll listen in and uh, reach out, guys. Yeah. We'll <laughs> see if he can meet Chris's checklists as well. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, uh, so, sounds like a plan, and who knows? Maybe we can even tempt the uh, the elusive um, Europeans, or maybe even the British government, to come on the podcast next as well. That'd be good fun. Absolutely, welcome anytime, anytime. 
That does it for us today at Everything About Hydrogen. A massive thank you to Governor Michelle Lewin Grisham and New Mexico Environment Department Secretary James Kenney for making the time to join us today and for sharing the governor's exciting ambitions for hydrogen in the state of New Mexico. We are incredibly excited to hear that the governor and her team will be rolling out the Hydrogen Hub Act this year, and we look forward to seeing the hydrogen industry thrive in New Mexico. What a fantastic way to kick off this season of Everything About Hydrogen. Thank you, as always, to Patrick and Chris for their masterful co-hosting abilities and hard work on the show. Lastly, if you enjoy the show, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast content. It really does help us promote the show and reach a larger audience. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time on Everything About Hydrogen. Hydrogen.